Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there. I'm Lauren McGinwin with teammate Aliyah Kamalova. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. On today's episode, we're discussing gratitude letters and how they can cultivate happiness in the workplace and beyond. To learn more about gratitude letters, we're joined by Nancy Davis Coe, author of The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. We'll be discussing two things on today's episode. One, what are gratitude letters? And two, Nancy's three steps for writing gratitude letters. We also want to thank our listeners for the reviews on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help our show so much and we're very grateful not to overuse the word gratitude, but we're super grateful to you. They just help us get more exposure, suggested by Apple and so much more. And here's a recent review from Socially Fit that we wanted to read to all of you. She said... This podcast is helping me take a look at my current career and create a plan for a career pivot. It is providing tips and useful steps that are creating a foundation for this change. I feel better prepared to take action in a pivot than prior to finding this podcast. It has also introduced me to some pretty powerful individuals who I've been able to connect with on LinkedIn. Now it's time for me to take big action steps. Thank you so much for this podcast review. Also, we're just so thrilled to hear that the podcast has enabled you to connect with other people and that you feel really confident with that pivot. As we all know, confidence is a huge ingredient to making that successful pivot. So if you haven't left the show a review yet, we would absolutely love if you'd consider doing that and just let us know what's one thing you've learned since listening to the show. All right, that's enough asking for favors. So now this is The Females. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to The Females. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pleased to be here. We are so happy to have you here as well. And I want to start by just introducing you and briefly describe yourself and your book, The Thank You Project, and kind of your background into you know how you became interested in gratitude and, and that kind of science. Thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it because I find it pretty fascinating. I'm a a speaker and I'm a podcaster myself. I uh, created the Midlife Mixtape podcast, which is for the years between being hip and breaking one. (laughs) So that's something that I love doing where I talk to people about what's good about being in the middle phase of life. And I'm a writer and my 
book, The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time, came out in December 2019. And the book is really pretty simple. I had celebrated a big birthday, big milestone birthday in 2016. And I decided that the way I was going to celebrate that year was by writing one thank you letter every week to someone who had helped, shaped, or inspired me. And I promise you, I did not think that was going to turn into a book. I didn't even think, I didn't think I was going to, I didn't really think I was going to get anything special out of it. I just thought, oh, it's a kind of a cool way to celebrate a big birthday. I'm going to do that thing. And I was moved to do it because really things were going pretty well in my life. My husband and I had been married for 24 years at that point. Our girls were doing really well. Our children were, um, our parents were around, you know, it was all good. It and wasn't 2020, I, <laughs> obviously. No, just kidding. Well, we can talk about why this practice is so very, I didn't mean to write a book that would pop against the background of a pandemic, but it turns out I did. But no, I, in my own way, 2016 was really bad. It, I mean, you know, maybe not 2020 levels, but there was, uh, I always said the universe hears you say, oh, everything's going so great and goes, oh, here's a person with some capacity for suffering. So I had a couple of things happen that year that were just really tough. And I write about those in the book. And what had started off as this kind of lighthearted, thanks for, you know, teaching me to drive or thanks for being such a good friend, whatever it was, turned very quickly into a coping mechanism where I would think I'm about to be overwhelmed by grief or worry or anxiety. But I know the one way I can lift myself out of that is if I sit down and write a thank you letter to someone else because it's a way of thinking about people in my life who have supported and helped me in the past. It, you know, has this kind of physiological impact on me where my shoulders would relax, my jaw would unclench, and I, I would feel this warmth in my chest. And I learned later that's called elevation. It's a scientific term. And, and it's something that happens when you make the effort to express gratitude deliberately. By the time I'd reached 50 letters, it really had changed the way I looked at the world. And the book was just my hope of making that easier for other people because I knew it had changed me profoundly and, and, and for the better. And I just want to make it really easy for people to access that. So yeah, it came out a couple of months before the pandemic started. And now I can't imagine anybody walking the planet who isn't feeling those feelings of overwhelm and anxiety occasionally right now. I hope you're living your best life. Believe me. I hope you're like, what pandemic? <laughs> it's not bothering me at all. But if you are not, there's some tips in here that I think make it a little bit easier to cope. Yeah, I love that. I love that you also experienced writing the gratitude letters when you were at a high and a low, because I feel like oftentimes people will usually use gratitude as a method to like cope when they're in a low. Like that's often like a reflective exercise to bring yourself out of like a low, to like value what you have, value like what you're grateful for. But I really like the idea of just like when you are feeling great, also like boost it even more by writing down or reflecting upon who you're grateful for, what you're grateful for. And I don't think a lot of people do that like both ways. So that's really interesting. Well, I like to make the point that I'm not somebody who was like, yay, thank you notes. I love to write them. I always wrote them because my parents raised me that way, but I literally had a grandma who would redline my thank you <laughs> notes and send them back to me. So to say I had a freighted mm -hmm. you know, relationship with thank you letters is an understatement, but these are really different. So I do think 
as you go on in life, as you experience hard things like, say, pandemics, you do kind of get better at recognizing those moments where things are going well. And I totally agree with you, Aaliyah. Like, that's a really good time to take a moment and say, we were laughing before we started recording. I'm so excited because I can see blue Mm -hmm. sky today. I live in the Bay Area. We've had the sky has just been shrouded in smoke for over a week. And to look out my window and see the color blue. I didn't think I needed to be thankful for that three weeks ago, but turns out I, I did. I want to take a quick break to talk about Issue, which has been a lifesaver for my podcast and my business. When you're in creation mode, and we are always in creation mode here at Claire Contessa, the last thing you want to do is worry about last minute nitpicky details. Unfortunately, it's those small details that sometimes matter the most. It's reformatting everything to make sure it looks beautiful in every format. For the females alone, that includes customizing assets for the blog, Instagram, Instagram stories, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and the list goes on. I'm sure you guys totally get it. This is where Issue comes in. Issue is the all-in-one platform created to distribute all of your digital publications across all platforms. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, and even salespeople looking to create eye-catching content. Simply upload your PDFs and files and Issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates to create the content you want. It has saved us tons of time. And also it's just so easy that I really can't recommend that if you are, you know, having this in your process and it feels like every time you have to make those different pieces of content, you dread it, then you really should check out Issue. Another awesome perk Issue is already used by millions of people looking to discover beautiful new content. Reach them all when you publish with Issue. So it's really like killing two birds with one stone. You'll actually get more marketing bang for your buck when you just use Issue. Get started with Issue today for free. Or if you sign up for a premium account, you will get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use the promo code females. All right. So they have kind of a funky spelling. So that's issue I S S U U dot com slash podcast. And then when they ask you for a promo code, be sure to type in females. So that's F E M A I L S at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. One more time. That's issue I S S U U issue dot com slash podcast with promo code females. All right, now let's get back to the show. As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. So what's the difference between, you said there's definitely a difference between a gratitude letter and a thank you letter. So right. what what is a gratitude letter? If someone was going to make it, like, what do they need to know about that? Right. So the way I define it and the way it worked in my project and, and in the book is it's just a letter that capture some of the specifics of how someone has made your life better, you know, and it's very 
centered on the writer. It's not one of those things. I, I never want anybody who reads this or hears about it to think, oh my gosh, it's one more thing I have to do. It's more work for me. It's something I, it's an obligation I need to give to another person. It's really meant to give you a chance to think, you know, how am I changed because I know this person? What good thing about me comes from being a friend of, of hers or related to him? And it's kind of a fun way to think about the relationships in your life. So, you know, one of the examples I give in the book is somebody who tried valiantly to teach me how to drive a stick shift. It did not take, <laughs> but I really appreciated the effort that went into that somebody who had the faith to let, you know, keep letting me strip the gears on their car because they thought <laughs> I could do it. And, you know, I couldn't, but it was nice to have somebody who believed in me at that point. And you can think about all the different ways as you're getting ready to write these letters, you know, thinking about all the different characteristics or practices that this person has brought into your life is a good way to think about the resources that you have, the resilience that you have. That's how I think it's different. A thank you note is like, thank usually, you for this thing. Yeah. Right. Thank you for the blank. I use yeah. it for blank. And, yeah. you know, and that's fine. That's, I think those are good to write too, but these are really more reflective and really are designed to make you inventory the strengths that you have and the, the good things in your life that are around you that, you know, as Leah said, we take them for granted a lot of the time. And this mm -hmm. is a good way to stop and just say, I see that. And I am appreciative that it's something in my life. How did you decide who to send them to? Like, okay, you sent 50. Did you pick the people ahead of time? <laughs> so uh, I love this question. So I did, you know, initially I was like, sure, I, I'm real close to my mom and dad. So they were going to be letters one and two, no, no matter what, my siblings. I did a quick list of about 20 people, just scrawled it down on a piece of notebook paper. And, and then I thought, I don't even know if I know 50 people, but 20 will get me through June. <laughs> You know, I'll worry about that in June, as my older daughter likes to say. That sounds like a problem for future me. Yeah. So I just thought, ah, by the time I get to June, I'll start thinking of other people. Well, what happens every time you write one of these gratitude letters, you are enhancing what scientists call your positive recall bias. So we all have this tendency to look for the negative. That's your negative recall bias. And that's not in and of itself a bad thing. You want to have that part of you that says, hey, there's a car coming up the sidewalk, I better run. But the problem is a lot of us get stuck in that negative recall bias where you, where you only see the negative things around you. So in the course of writing a gratitude letter, when I was having to think about, okay, here's my friend Tiffany, what are all the different ways that she's been helpful to me? I'm actually rewiring my brain to look for those things more easily. So by the time I'd gotten to letter 20 or so, I was getting really good at thinking about people who had helped shaped and inspired me beyond the obvious ones. And I think it was at that point I was starting to write to my doctors, you know, doctors, the, the doctor who delivered my two children. I wrote to uh, an AP English teacher because I learned everything I know about writing has been on top of this foundation that I got from her when I was 17. So it started to get easier. And then this was the magic moment when I realized that all those nice physiological benefits I talked about, the elevation, the relaxation, and, you know, we can talk about there's so much science behind the way that your body is really optimized to work in a state of gratitude. You, do, you just do much better if you are, are in that state of gratitude. But I realized that all those good feelings came when I wrote the letter, not when the recipient told me what they thought of it. 
and we can talk also about how I really loved getting those reactions. It was really great for me and I and for the recipients too. But I it it wasn't dependent on that. So I was like, okay, so I could write the letter, feel good, and just not send the letter. That means I could write to people I'm not going to send a letter to. Yeah. So that was where it got really interesting. And I wrote letters to former friends, someone who had been very close with me. And then the friend breakup mm-hmm. that's so traumatizing sometimes because you don't see it coming. But after that happened with her, my standards were through the roof for a friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, I really learned from that to say, like, I'm going to only spend my time with people who want to spend time with me. Like it needs to be much more even. And that's a lesson I still think about 30 years later. You could write to the exes who maybe and then burn it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, don't burn it. No, 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 no. You can you can still go. But when you write to the exes, sometimes what you can do is say, okay, it was lousy at the end. There's a reason we broke up, obviously, but they taught me this or they supported me through that. Or, you know, the reason even if all they did was raise your standards on a romantic level for the next time, that's a good thing. That's a stepping stone for you. And it also is a way to reframe and kind of reclaim what could have, what could be lingering as a, as a negative experience in your life. You can take a big enough step back from these and sort of say, oh, you know what? I'm kind of glad that happened. It wasn't my favorite part of my life, but you know, there's something that good that I, that came out of this. And I think that can be very healing if it's okay. I I mean, I'll share the one story that's in the book too, is that I had a really good friend in high school who just ghosted me after high school and ghosting hadn't even been invented as a term (laughs) back then, but he was a, he was a leading edge. He was kind of an innovator. And so it was a bummer because this was like one of my best friends and I didn't talk to him for years and years. And I was very hurt. I think he was letter 34 or 35 because at that point I'm like, oh yeah, I'm firing on all like, I know, help shaped and inspired. And guess what? When I was in high school, he was very, very helpful to me. He was just a rock steady friend at a time I really needed him. I have plenty of friends now. I don't need him to be in my life now, but at that time I really needed him. And so I wrote this letter and at the end of writing the letter to him, I realized, because I, it, it involves really thinking about how, you know, how you've interacted with this person. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's not unusual that he stopped talking to me after high school. It's a miracle. He stayed talking to me all through high school. Cause he, one of the things he like would give me great advice. I would ignore it. He would be very supportive. I would ignore it, you know? And so I was just like, wow, I was not a great friend to him, but he was a great friend to me. I can put this to bed now. Like the resentment is gone. I'm just grateful for it. Well, a couple of weeks after that, guess who friended me on Facebook? (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, if you had done this a month ago before I wrote that letter, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been happy about it. I would have been like, well, finally, you know, now you've shown up, but I had really worked myself into this state of just forgiveness and perspective that allowed me to be really happy that he's back in my life. And he still is like, I text with this friend now all the time. So uh, there's really a value, I think, in looking at some of the harder relationships. I, I don't, don't do that for your first through 10th letter, get some practice first, get your positive recall bias a little stronger. But I do think it's interesting to look at some of the harder relationships and see if you can find some good and some gratitude around those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about how it basically increases your self-awareness, which Mm -hmm. we've talked on this show a lot about, 
you know, that can be a struggle for people or you need self-awareness to have, you know, better communication, leadership, whatever the skill is. It's self-awareness is a tough one. And so your point about, I was able to reflect on, actually, I wasn't that good of a friend at that person. I think that's a really powerful skill set if you can get that, you know, and train, train your brain or get that habit. I mean, I'm just thinking of like, you know, that's one of the easier ways to try to figure out how to increase your Mm self-awareness. Right. And it's an interesting result because when you finished all your letters, you've also kind of cataloged the strengths of the people who are important to you and the ways in which they support you in their unique way. And so as a result of doing this, I, I'm kind of better at saying, okay, I've got this kind of problem. I know who to call because I took the time to think through like, she's really good when I have a career question or I need my resume reviewed, or I need somebody to help me figure out how to, how to frame this networking opportunity. I know exactly who to go to. And I don't waste my time with the people who support me in different ways. They love me, but that's not their, as they say, that's not their ministry. So, you know, that somebody who's just able to help me in a specific way, I'm much better to, I'm I'm much more efficient at figuring that out. I want to take a quick break to talk about Aslo. In 2020, every business in the country is adapting to a new way of life. Everyone, it seems, except for banks. What is up with that? I can personally attest to the fact that the last thing a business owner in 2020 wants to worry about is getting on the phone for hours to debate unnecessary fees or making trips to the bank. I mean, that's not even safe right now. Listen, we're all feeling a little stressed out. I think we can agree on that. And we need at least something to go our way. That's why I'm a huge fan and I'm really loving Aslo. Aslo is a free business checking account with invoicing, bill pay, money transfer, no minimum balance, and no fees. Unlike other banking options, there's no minimum deposit required and you'll never be charged maintenance for overdraft fees. Oh, and there's also no ridiculous phone system that feels like it's designed to waste your time and your patience. I think we've all done that thing where you just stay on hold for two hours and then it literally disconnects you. It's very annoying. Instead of the days or even weeks it takes to apply for an account at a traditional bank, which I'm speaking from personal experience because when I set up my bank account for Career Contessa, I had to go to a traditional bank that I won't name, but I'm not a huge fan of. And it did take weeks and it was super intimidating. And guess what? Yes, you have to go in person all the time. But with Aslo, that's not the case. All you have to do is go to aslo.com. So that's A-Z lo.com and apply. The application takes as little as 10 minutes, 10 minutes. So think about all those trips back and forth in person. No, no more. You don't have to do that. There's no waiting to use your account either. With Aslo's free instant funding feature, you can deposit and access up to $1,000 instantly. Clearly, this was created by small business owners because they get it. Aslo is totally safe too. It's owned by BBVA USA. They're a member of FDIC. And because they make business banking easy and offer a fee-free, try saying that five times fast, fee-free checking account, Money Magazine actually called them the best business banking option for freelancers and entrepreneurs. So don't worry about safety. They're totally free and legit. For me, Aslo takes one huge headache out of the year that is 2020. I know that my banking is in good hands and I don't need to worry about banking related headaches, especially when I can be doing so many other things to power my business forward. Also, Aslo integrates with Stripe, Square, and PayPal to make payment fast and easy. 
again, you can totally tell this was created by freelancers and entrepreneurs and people who get it because they integrate with all the tools that us small business owners actually use. Sign up right now with no minimum deposit at aslo.com slash females and get a free copy of Aslo's small business start guide. You know, we love a little free content here at Career Contessa. So this is totally spot on for us to partner with someone who not only creates a great product, but will give you some resources to help you get started along the way. So again, the spelling is a little funky. It's A-Z-L-O.com slash females, which is F-E-M-A-I-L-S and sign up to get your free small business starter guide and no minimum deposit. Aslo.com slash females. Sign up today. You will not regret it. It's the no-brainer banking solution for the busy business owner making it happen in 2020. You've totally got this and Aslo will help. All right, now let's get back to the show. So when it comes to the workplace and sort of cultivating this happiness, like, is this possible for all employees? Or, you know, I'm thinking of the people that they're already like, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my coworkers. And now I'm supposed to like, yeah, no letter is going to fix that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Let what me, do you do in that position? Okay. Let me first let you all off the hook, listeners. You do not need to write a thank you letter <laughs> to every person who crosses your path or darkens your doorway. Like nobody is saying you should be mm-hmm. grateful for every single person you know. I will say, so when I was writing the book, it was really important to me to quantify the science behind gratitude and happiness. Because I wanted to, first of all, understand what it, what happened to me. But secondly, I just wanted to make sure that readers knew that this is not just me, that this is really a quantified phenomena. And the research on gratitude in the workplace to me was fascinating because all it shows is how underutilized it is and how potentially powerful it can be. You know, that that I think 93% of employees say that bosses who show gratitude are more successful and something like 60% of employees wish that people would show more gratitude in the workplace, but don't do it themselves. So there's a lot of awareness that there's an opportunity, but not always acted on. But to your question, Ali, about those people who we may not, you know, want to send a glowing thank you letter to. First of all, remember, there are no thank you letter police. So you can write a letter to that lousy coworker and express what good, you know, you see in the, in that relationship, if that feels right. I would just say there are there are so many things we learn from negative examples. So uh, I had an experience. I worked. I was living in D.C. and I worked for about three years with the worst managers I've ever. It was a husband and wife team, and they were a nightmare management duo. And I learned how not to treat people. I learned how not to terrify your employees every time they come into the office and have people on edge all day long. And it was not a fun thing to learn, but I can look back at that now and say, you were setting a really good example through your bad example. So that's one way to think about it is just kind of take the bigger view of, you may not, you know, you can learn from negative example. The other story I like to tell is that I, my first job out of college, I moved to Germany. I was determined, I spoke German and I was going to work there for five years. That was my five-year plan, going to work in Germany. And my boss there was really hard to work with. It was, um, it was, I, I sound now, I feel like, oh God, I'm sounding like one of those ladies who complains about every job. And really, <laughs> I, I had great bosses too, but the German situation was weird. It was a little bit of an indentured servitude situation. 
but I was fine. I got, I got stuff out of it. But after two years, I said, that's it. I'm tapping out. I'm not going to make five years here. I'm going to go back to the U.S. and go to grad school now, where I overlapped by one semester with the guy I've now been married to for 28 years. So <laughs> had I loved my job, had he been easier to work for, and I, you know, and I did the full five years, I never would have met my husband. So for that alone, I'm like, thanks for driving me back to the U.S. because I had two months, three months exactly to meet up with that guy at grad school. And I made the most of it. (laughs) (laughs) You talked about how most workplaces, there isn't a lot of gratitude. So I guess, what does that look like in the workplace? And what are the maybe longer term impacts of practicing gratitude? So first, like, what is gratitude? Is it your boss patting you on the back and saying, good job? What does that look like? I think there's lots of ways to do it. And it's obviously got to be a fit with the culture of the workplace, but it doesn't have to be super complicated. A thank you note written to an employee who's just finished a project and has done a great job on it does not go amiss. People really appreciate that. Uh, I've also read about, you know, meetings that start with everybody saying something that they're grateful for, something that, you know, is going well for them in the workplace that week. A notebook by the, I would say by the office coffee machine, but we're all working from home. So it's our own coffee machine, Mm -hmm. but you know, a Slack channel or something like that, where you're just sharing it, I think helps people recognize that there are, no matter what situation we're in, there are still things to be grateful for. And that's a, that's a powerful message right now. You know, a lot of us are working in isolation. We're worried about job security. We're worried about lots of things and just Maybe seeing what somebody else is grateful for is kind of that reminder like, oh, yeah, I also am grateful that I can, you know, that I've got food in my mm-hmm. pantry or that I've got a roof over my head, that it's not stuff to take for granted. One of the anecdotes that I included in the book and I really loved, I, I profiled as a freelance writer, I do a lot of profiles, and I wrote about Margot Alexander, who was the chairman and CEO of UBS Global Asset Management when she retired. And she was a huge Wall Street pioneer. She was like the first woman to run a a major trading desk. She was the first in about 26 different arenas. And when I interviewed her, I said, what do you consider your biggest sign of success? Like what all the awards that you've gotten, all the, you know, the glass ceilings you've shattered, what's the number one for you? And she said, I get thank you letters from employees every once in a while. She said, just out of the blue, someone will send me a thank you letter and tell me that I was a good boss. And I just thought that is so telling, you know, that's the kind of thing that people remember and that's what's meaningful. So in whatever way feels appropriate to express gratitude, and maybe it's an email, maybe it's just a conversation. I just wish people would be a little braver about sharing that stuff because one of the other studies I found said that people tend to underestimate the positive impact act of an expression of gratitude on the person who hears it, and they overestimate how awkward they're going to feel when they do it. So I know a lot of people feel like, oh my gosh, what if I say, and whether this is in the workplace or any place else, you've changed my life. And they say, who are you? You know, you, it is a little bit, there's a little bit of vulnerability there, but the payoff's really big. Yeah. So I'm, I would, I'm a fan. I, I really like it. it. <laughs> and I, I, we've talked about this at, uh, on the show before too. Like, I just don't think there's a lot of acknowledgement of the good work that people do. And there's so much acknowledgement of the bad work, probably going back to Mm -hmm. that 
negativity bias that you said, like we don't build up the positive one. So it's just so quick for us to go negative. Last question before we get to your tips. So sometimes there's that person at work where like you maybe like work, you're like fine with everything. And then you start hanging out with someone who's like, I hate work. I hate my boss. I hate everything. And next thing you know, you have the same opinion of coworkers and boss or work, whatever it is, because you've been hanging out with this. Now your name's Nancy. So I'm only saying this, everybody. Nancy, yeah, I'm only saying this because you're Nancy. <laughs> like if you start hanging out with a negative Nancy. Um, so if you want to become a person who's practicing more gratitude, is it also important to surround yourself with people who are on the same page? Gosh, or that's a that very good matter? question. And I'm not sure I'm the one I'm qualified to answer because my immediate reaction is sit negative Nancy down and say, let's talk about the good things that happened at work today. Cause that's what I would do. I, I am that person in the conversation after the doom scrolling conversation has gone by. I'm like, but I found cornmeal, you know, yeah. whatever at the bakery or what, you know, uh-huh. like whatever tiny positive thing I can find. But I also know that any tiny positive thing you can find is doing what the scientists say is that the neurons that fire together, wire together. So you really can restructure your brain to look for the positive things. So of course, yeah, my instinct would be to help negative Nancy get out of her dark hole. <laughs> uh, but if that's impossible, maybe that's something you're thankful to negative Nancy about. Like I realized I don't like to be around toxic negative people yeah. and I'd rather spend my time. It's better for my well-being to be with people who at least try not it's it's you know we're mm-hmm. not living in utopia mm-hmm. and there are problems all around us but i i find it hard to consider helping to make change if i've lost hope and when i'm around negative people all the time i find myself losing hope mm-hmm. for sure i think also the act of writing something helps you label whether that's truly how you feel or maybe you're like wait i actually don't agree with anything that we were like chatting about today. And so I think like that actual physical act of writing and maybe reading what you wrote is like, oh, I'm actually grateful for X, Y, Z for the situation. You do express yourself differently Mm -hmm. in writing than you do in verbal communication. There's no question. I think it's, I think it can be very helpful, but I'm a writer. So I don't like to assume that of other people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you said it, not me. (laughs) I'm a writer too. So (laughs) we're worthless. (laughs) All right. Well, up next, we're going to share Nancy's tips for writing your own gratitude letters and hopefully learning how to cultivate happiness in the workplace 2020 and beyond. Let's take a quick break from cultivating happiness to cultivate something else, a solid budget. Before you moan and groan, listen up because I found a great tool. It's called You Need a Budget, and it's a life-changing budgeting software that will change how you deal with your dollars forever. Whether you're looking to safeguard your finances over the next few months, get out of that paycheck to paycheck cycle, or finally get your savings going, You Need a Budget is for you. You Need a Budget is different from any other budgeting tool you've ever used in the past. They're not going to trick you into saving more than your paycheck allows, and they're certainly not going to shame you when your budget plan gets derailed by, say, a car issue or, let's face it, maybe a fall online sale. Instead, You Need a Budget teaches you how to actually succeed at budgeting and prioritizing. You Need a Budget provides the four rules that are key to financial planning for the things that are the most important to you. Join the thousands, 
seriously, thousands of budgeters who have changed their lives using You Need a Budget and sign up for a free 34-day trial at youneedabudget.com slash females. And here's our favorite budget-friendly part of this whole offer is that they don't even ask you for a credit card when you sign up for that free trial. So again, you get a 34-day free trial at youneedabudget.com slash females. You need a budget, the money management tool that changes lives. Let it change yours. All right, now let's get back to the show. In your book, Nancy, you describe three steps for writing gratitude letters and cultivating happiness. And those are see, say, and savor. So let's go over this first step, see. Can you explain that? Sure. And let me just reassure you, you don't have to worry about the cultivating happiness part because that comes automatically. So just worry about the stuff you mm-hmm. can control. I think that's, you know, don't, 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 you don't have, it's not, it's not quite as big as you think it's going to be. So C is the first step and it's really about noticing things around you to be grateful for. So what I recommend is pick, you know, make that brainstorm that list of the first few people you think you're going to write to. Don't worry about how many letters you're going to write. Just pick somebody who you have a positive association with and just think about why. What is it that make why what do they do that makes me feel good? What have I learned from them? If you have a phone a friend and you've got a problem, what problem would you call them for? So just think about that stuff. And even if you never put pen to paper, you're already rewiring your brain to be more efficient to look for these kinds of things in other people. So I really don't recommend rushing it. I mean, in the book I talk about doing mine once a week. There's some science that says even if you just do one letter a month, that's enough to keep your gratitude levels higher than you would be normally. So I really, especially in 2020, I'm all about let's just do what is, you know, what works. There's no need to put extra pressure on yourself. If once a week sounds great, you know, that's how often you should be thinking about it. But take your time with that and just think about this stuff. And that's, it's, and, and the other thing that's important is that in this is looking for specifics. So, you know, you can say, oh, you're so nice, but what does that mean? You know, but if you say, I'll use the example of my friend Dawn, who's a physical therapist. Every time I'm with Dawn, she says, hey, why are you rolling your foot like that? Is your foot bothering you? Give me your foot. And she'll start working on my foot right then and there. (laughs) And uh, I don't have to tell her about my aches and pains because she's so perceptive. And it's really good to have a physical therapist friend. Let me tell you guys, (laughs) go get one. But she's also really a good cook. And we both get this veggie box, the CSA veggie box. And I'm like, what do I do with a rutabaga? I don't know about this. And she's like, I'm emailing you rutabaga recipes. So, you know, there's just, she's the only person in my life who will both like adjust my hips and show me how to make a fennel (laughs) salad. So it's fun to think about the specific things. So that's the C part of it. Just, just, you know, training yourself to observe those things. Right. And just to reiterate you guys, Nancy's three kind of questions is like, how have they helped you, shaped you or inspired you? And then get specific with that. Right. That's right. Exactly. Okay. So your second tip is say, can you elaborate on that? That's all about communicating it to the person who, who causes these feelings, who's, who is this support for you. And we've already covered the fact that you don't need to send the letter, but I do think there's real value in writing it down, even if you're never going to send it. And in part, it's what Aaliyah talked about that, you know, it's nice to be able to go back and look at this stuff, but, and also the way you communicate it in writing is a little bit different, but I'm a big fan, big fan 
of actually sending the letter, writing down your thoughts and sending the letter. So many of us are isolated right now. So many of us are sitting home alone. And to get a piece of physical mail that tells you that you matter to somebody, that you are awesome because of reasons X, Y, and Z. Can you imagine the existential boost you get <laughs> yeah. from reading that letter? <laughs> And, you know, I have friends who were on the receiving end of my letters who've told me they keep it in their purse, they keep it in their nightstand, you know, it's just something to pull out. And we live in a digital age where everything disappears, the texts go away, the Snapchats go away. But to have a physical piece of paper, just cataloging why you are so great, everybody should have that. So I really think, I think it's important to to take a risk, even if you think, if you, even if you're feeling a little nervous about sending a letter to somebody you admire, I really recommend doing it if you, if you feel comfortable with it. You said too, that you, you get most of the benefit just from writing it, but you get an additional benefit from the receiver telling you what, what is the, right. <laughs> what am well, I going to get for that? <laughs> <laughs> what do I, what's my return? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, the book opens with my the what my dad did. So he got the second letter and he was so cute. He framed it and hung it over his desk so he could see it every day. So that was kind of one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, I had people who just would send a text or if I saw them the next time they would hug me. You know, it was it people react in different ways, but every single reaction I got was positive. So I, I get that question a lot at readings. What if somebody, you know, gets the letter and doesn't say anything to me? And I'm like, I don't think that's gonna happen. And in fact, one of the goals I had with the book was to talk to a few other people who had done something similar because I wanted to check that out and make sure that I did not have a singular experience. And it crossed the board. Everybody who gets one of these letters, who's gonna be mad that they get a letter that says, you know, that they, they're great. But science, let me go back to it, science shows that if you are a recipient of a letter like this, you are more likely to help the person who sent it because out of all the sea of people in the world, this person has signaled to you that they get you, that they appreciate you, that they acknowledge what you've done for them. And that makes you more likely to help them in the future. So that, my friend Lauren, is exactly <laughs> what you get. That person is probably going to be more eager to be helpful to you in the future. I mean, this is just probably because I'm always thinking about careers, but for people who are like, how do I network? I don't have anything I'm telling people. You could just start sending gratitude letters and it would be like quasi networking in the uh, same way. And guess what? It doesn't, it does not happen very much. You would stand out. Absolutely. Yeah. Send yeah. a thank you letter to somebody who made an introduction for you. Somebody who interviewed you, but didn't hire you, but still to, you know, and, and you're still interested in going back to that company mm -hmm. that I, that's how I got one of my yeah. greatest jobs. You know, there is, you are never going to put a, a step wrong. If you thank someone for going out of their way for you, regardless of what the outcome was. And your third and final step is savor. So what do you mean by savoring? So throughout the book, I say, do it your way. This is what I did. Do You know, you don't have to do anything. But this one I'm strict about. No, 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 you have to <laughs> savor. And what I mean is you keep a copy of every letter you write. So the ones you send, the ones you don't. And the reason is it is such a tonic at the end of your project. And it could be 50 letters, it could be 10 letters. I don't know how many you're going to write. But to hold in your hands this stack of proof that you have mattered to people, that people have gone out of their way to help you. It is good medicine. And it is such a reminder that you are not by yourself. You're part of a team. And nobody else, by the way, has, has letters to that same group of people. You are the only one who has created this mosaic of support. And so I wrote my letters four years ago. I 
took them to the copy shop and had them bound. And I flip through that book all the time. I, you know, I'm having a bad day. I just flip open a random page and I'm like, oh, my nephew, Tristan, he is the funniest kid. And he taught me to be much faster about my jokes or, you know, my, whatever my, I, I wrote to a bands that I love. So I have a letter to all the bands I loved before because I'm a big live concert person. And that letter, actually, I'm re- rereading a lot right now because I can't go to concerts. <laughs> and every time I read it, I'm like, <laughs> someday. <laughs> it's really important, I think, to take the time to appreciate what you've done. And, you know, spoiler alert, the last letter I tell people to write is to themselves, a thank you letter to yourself. Because by the time you've gotten that far into it, you better recognize that you've done a really good job of pulling together a support team for yourself. And that is how, you know, that's really, that shows such resilience. It shows such ingenuity, you know, and it shows such love and compassion. And maybe that sounds weird to talk about on a career podcast, but I think the more humanity we can bring to the, our interactions with people, wherever we encounter them, the better off we all are. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, you know, like you said, we're, it's a career podcast and we're talking about something you could do in your personal life, but there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't easily bring this into the workplace, which I think is interesting that people sometimes don't, you know, they want to keep those worlds so divided, but you spend so much time at work. You spend so much time with the people that you work with. So I see this as really a, a huge benefit, not to mention I mean, this is a good habit to create. You know, gratitude journals have been obviously a tip that people have heard over and over again, like end your day by writing three things you're grateful for. Is this just that kind of like on a on a larger level of uh, you're tr- just trying to really create this habit of some sort of daily practice of gratitude or weekly practice, I guess, of gratitude? I think I, I like the idea of gratitude journals. I do the three things actually when I'm trying to get to sleep at night. I don't write it down, but that is what I do. If I can't sleep, I try to think of three things that I'm grateful for because I, I know that works uh, as a as a way to kind of um, shut down all the anxiety that tends to take the forefront. What I think is different about this is it, it spreads the love. Mm-hmm. It spreads the benefit. You know, I you are not just making things better for yourself. You are potentially doing that for someone else. And um, if it's someone who has helped shape or inspired you, you're probably going to feel pretty good about the fact that you're able to do that for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. All right. So I'm going to recap Nancy's three steps for writing gratitude letters are C, so looking around you for the people who make your life better. Say, think about the specific ways those people have helped you and then savor. So keep copies of the letters you write, reread them from time to time. And of course, write one to yourself. So Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the yes, show and talking about gratitude. Ali and I love this topic. And as we said before the show, it's nice to have a good positive mm-hmm. topic on here. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful you guys had me on. And uh, yeah, I just, I'm grateful for you. How about that? My positive recalls, <laughs> call bias, you know, at the forefront. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And your book is called Gratitude Letters, How to Cultivate Happiness. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. Where else can people find it? What's the name of your podcast? Uh, the podcast is Midlife Mixtape, and uh, my website, davisco.com, is a great starting point for the Thank You Project, the book, the podcast, the blog, back in the covered covered wagon days of blogging. I've had a blog <laughs> for a long time, so yeah, you can find davisco, D-A-V-I-S-K-H-O.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, you guys. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. We absolutely love hearing from you all. Another thing that can help you cultivate happiness at work, getting clear on your priorities and learning to say no to other assignments and people. That's where Productivity Powerhouse, our online course on time management and setting boundaries comes in. You can learn more about this online course in the show notes. And a big thank you to Nancy Davis Cove for sharing her time and wisdom today. Be sure to check out Nancy's book, The Thank You Project. We link to that in the show notes as well as her podcast and her website. 